welcome to another episode of Hitchhiker's Guide to IT Podcast, brought to you by Device42. On this show, we explore the ins and outs of modern IT management and the infinite expanse of its universe. Whether you're an expert in the data center or cloud, or just someone interested in the latest trends in IT technology, the Hitchhiker's Guide to IT is your go-to source for all things IT. So, buckle up and get ready to explore the ever-changing landscape of modern IT management. Hello and welcome to the Hitchhiker's Guide to IT, a podcast brought to you by Device42. I'm your host, Michelle Dawn Mooney, and today we're talking about sustainability opportunities and challenges for 2023. We've got a great guest to bring on today. Cannot wait for you to meet him. Todd Weatherby is an independent consultant, also founder of Rafiki Advisors. And Todd, I want to thank you for joining me today because it's going to be a great conversation. Michelle, thanks for having me. I'm very much looking forward to the conversation. It's uh it's just great to be here and share my story and hopefully it's useful to others and I'm sure I'll make contacts and I'll learn from them too. Yeah, I'm sure you will. So let's get into it. But before we do, actually, I want to take a pause and let people know a little bit more about Todd Weatherby, your background professionally and kind of what you're doing now. Yeah, thanks, Michelle. I grew up in the Northeast of the United States. I went to school near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, first job in Washington, D.C. Uh, that was with Oracle Corporation was there. Uh, almost eight years. That took us out to uh, Seattle area where I moved over to Microsoft and was there for 16 plus years. And then I had an opportunity to join AWS in 2012, Amazon Web Services at, at Amazon in the Seattle area. And I uh, just wrapped up 11 years there, Michelle. So that was a, a good fun uh, set of runs there at Oracle, Microsoft and Amazon. I feel very lucky to have caught those waves. And and now I'm turning the page to go explore new opportunities. I'm out as an independent consultant advisor, uh, working with a variety of companies in a variety of areas. One of them is the sustainability area. It was um, sort of sparked in me in my last six months at AWS, where I had an opportunity to work full-time as an executive sponsor for AWS's sustainability efforts for 2023. And so I worked with a virtual team across the business. We built that plan, and I learned a whole bunch of things there, Michelle, that that uh, sort of inspired me as I go forward to continue to focus on this and continue to work with others in this space. And I'm looking forward to talking about that today. So I'm, I'm independent. I'm not a spokesperson of Amazon. I'm not gonna be talking about internal things at Amazon today. I'll talk about some things I learned and some public things they're doing. And I'm really proud to be associated with Amazon, uh, but right now you know, operating independently, speaking independently today. So let's dive in. When asked what is sustainability, what mental models or frameworks do you find useful? You know, I got into it six months or ago. So I was like a lot of people where I heard on the press, in the press, I hear things like ESG reporting that's used in the financial services industry, or environmental, social, and governance. And I sort of got a whiff of how that had, what that had to do with measuring business performance in light of sustainability. But I didn't fully understand the, the details behind it. I heard a lot of the politics around it and the sensational headlines and so forth and controversy and whatever. It's even in the news right now, Michelle, as you know, with the bank failures and so forth, a lot of people talking about it. But what I got into when I got underneath all that, I learned that there's a lot of interesting science and technology and, and a lot of uh, application of uh, great innovations that are happening around the world to really improve the, the world we live in. I got down to the principles of it. And I like the principles because they're hard to argue with. It's, it's things like uh, leave it better than you found it, uh, consume less, produce more than you consume, 
it's things like even the UN definition is pretty good. I've got it here in front of me. It says development that meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations. Those principles are pretty hard to argue with. And, uh, and I had gotten into that with the team and really enjoyed learning about energy and, and water and other resources that make up the operations of a business today. And when we think of a variety of industries and then how IT folks support those industries, I just learned a ton that is super exciting. And, and I think when you get into it, get down to practical, tactical things, there's so much opportunity to make improvement and, and make the world better and, and more sustainable for future generations that it's uh, it's exciting in that way for me. There's a simple uh, process, simple framework that I that I've latched on to that comes from the greenhouse gas protocol, and that's the scope one, scope two, scope three kind of framework, and that talks about your direct carbon emissions your, that you use that you consume when you're running your business, the indirect where that you use power that was produced, and what's the carbon emissions related to the power you produced, and then there's scope three, which is the uh, the, the value chain view your emissions. So everything coming in through your supply chain and out through your distribution to your customer, what's the carbon emissions related to that network of companies? And so when you get these mental models, you can start to get your arms around what does sustainability mean broadly and where do we, uh, where can we see improvement? Where can we, uh, uh, where can we start? Where can we make improvement over time? So those are some of the things I learned and concepts that, uh, and, and phrases that have been helpful to me as I got in. Very interesting, Todd. So since your focus at AWS was customer facing, what would you say is the typical enterprise customer conversation on sustainability? And then how is that changing? Yeah, you know, I said I worked at Oracle, Microsoft and Amazon and all that time I was in the enterprise space working with external customers of those companies. And recently, AWS built and ran the professional services organization globally. So that was very focused on enterprises and in 42 countries. And so I got a good view around the world. And what's happened is a year ago, uh, business was starting to have to respond to regulatory and other stakeholder kinds of things. But the IT side of our enterprise customers was still keeping up with what they need to do. They got a lot of challenges with security or uh, cost or other things that, that IT teams rightly have to focus on. And they weren't digging in or weren't asking us for help with uh, the sustainability questions, but that's changed over the last year. They've started to say, okay, AWS, if we're going to move our data in and store it in data and content and store it in the cloud, or if we're going to do our compute processing, our databases, our networking in the cloud, how sustainable is the cloud? The, the inside or what we said was uh, sustainability of the cloud. Uh, how sustainable is that? That was a question we had to answer. And then the other one was what can enterprises do using the cloud when they put things in the cloud, applications and software to improve their business using the cloud. And, and so that those two kind of sustainability of the cloud and sustainability of things they put in the cloud starts to be the conversation. And then how fast can they go? Uh, where where do they stand today? Are they good? Are they bad? Are they uh, Do they have easy things they can do? Or is it all going to take a long time? What's the cost of improvement? And so those conversations have really started to heat up now that IT has had to respond to their business stakeholders, business stakeholders responding to regulators and, and external customers. And so it's really starting to fire up. The, the challenge, of course, is that the measurements are all new. And so it really becomes what data are we looking at? How do we collect more data? How do we make sure it's credible? How do we make sure it's accurate, complete? And then how do we apply that data to iteration and improvement? So that's that's changing a lot now where it used to we used to just hear it in the business side 
And now we're also hearing it on IT. So Todd, let me ask you this. Um, cost, because everything revolves around money. <laughs> so how do you connect that when it comes to sustainability and the customer? And of course, and you know, everybody's looking at that price line. What do you do there? Yeah, you're right. Especially, I said in this last year, the sustainability conversation is coming up. But of course, with market conditions changing, everybody's really focused on cost. And some are saying, well, I can't get to that sustainability thing right now because I have to focus on cost. But I think there's a cool opportunity to, to bind the two and to think about when you're more efficient with your usage of resources, you can also reduce your cost in the production of your product. And then flip it around. If you're selling your product to customers of yours, if you are uh, reducing the cost of your product by reducing usage, you can increase the value to your customers. So you can build in this efficiency of usage of resources, energy, power, water. Uh, you can build all that in as a way of increasing value to your customer, but also as uh, making your operations internally more efficient. So I think there's a, a, a an opportunity to not sort of say one or the other, but and. It's an and, not an or, Michelle. I think we can get after cost and sustainability at the same time in a lot of cases. Let's talk about leadership. It's so vital in any field, but specifically we're talking about here is sustainability. So where is the leadership coming from and why? And then a follow-up to that, who is leading and who is lagging and why? So Michelle, in addition to the geographic look at it, you can also look at leadership coming from associations of companies and people and, and, and uh, innovation happening that way. There's, of course, things like the well-known Paris Accord around the net zero pledge for uh, 2050. And then you can look at things like Amazon and they're affiliated with this climate pledge that many know about where hundreds of companies have gathered together and pledged to be climate neutral by 2040, 10 years before the Paris Accord. And then further thinking about what I'm familiar with with Amazon is in the work they're doing on uh, being water positive. So they're giving more water back to the communities in which they operate than water that they consume and that by 2030. Or if you look at what Amazon's doing for commitment to renewable energy usage being 100% renewable energy usage by 2025. So you see these commitments by groups of companies, single companies. Uh, you see regulation coming on certain schedules in certain countries. And that's providing the impetus. That's providing the, the pressure and the urgency on timelines that uh, is then driving the leadership you're seeing in these different places, different companies. And I think we'll see more of that as, as we start to get closer to some of these target deadlines. When it comes to improving sustainability, what information technologies do you think will be most useful? It starts with measurement. If you're going to improve anything, you got to start by measuring it and, and then you have a baseline and then you have a chance to see how you what progress you're making. And so in, in information technology, one of the obvious places that comes up and, and certainly from the cloud space where I come from, data lakes are a great opportunity where a lot of companies have invested in their their data fabric enterprise-wide, their data lakes, their data infrastructure, data architecture. And that enables you to bring multiple sources of data together from across your enterprise, from outside your enterprise, and to then analyze that data, snapshot that data, trend that data. And data lakes are a great way to get after this problem, at least baselining and then measuring your improvement. To drive improvement, there are other technologies. Like uh, one of my favorites is Internet of Things and Out at the Edge. So I talked about cloud and, and things in the center, but then when you go all the way out to edge computing and Internet of Things, putting sensors all over devices around the world, essentially putting a skin around the around the earth. So we get all these stimulation, all these uh, these this monitoring, this detection of, of data that happens on the ground. That's going to be a great application of technology to help us get our arms around 
all this data, collect all this data, and then synthesize it into something actionable. But then it'd say, okay, if you have all this data and you're going forward and you're designing new things or building new things, uh, I like digital twins. Digital twin is the idea of taking the data about, let's say, a building where you can create a virtual image of that building. You can load in all the parameters that tell you what kind of material you're going to use, uh, what, all the measurements of it. One of my favorite learnings over the last few years, the last few months, was about concrete. I didn't realize, Michelle, that uh, concrete and the, the specific cement uh, ingredients in concrete matter to sustainability. It's called embodied carbons. And if you use a certain kind of cement, it emits a certain kind of carbon. If you use a different kind of cement in your concrete, it emits less carbon. Didn't really come to think of that. But if you build a digital 20 year building and you know how much concrete you have to use in it, you know what kind of ingredients you're using, then you're going to understand your carbon footprint of that building before you build it instead of afterward and trying to manage it afterwards. So digital twin is another way that we can use technology. Uh, I think the last example I'll give you, Michelle, is around the notion of circular economy, the idea of reusability, recyclability. We, re we all think about recycling our waste in our homes, but if you apply it to industry and think about the waste in healthcare, the waste in construction or other things, and then you think about reusing those materials and then redesigning them for better use so that they don't end up in a landfill, they end up actually get another time around. And that we study the life cycle of these ingredients or these products throughout these different industries better. I think circular economy and circular marketplaces is a great place for technology in there too. So a lot of great things we're seeing. At the end of the day, the, the accounting part of it and, and rolling it all up to measure how we're doing, I think is super critical. One of the top companies I'm seeing in this space is a company called Persephone. Uh, they're the leader, near as I can tell, in carbon accounting, uh, carbon accounting software. And uh, they're doing a lot of great partnerships with various companies and organizations around the world. And I'd encourage everybody to take a look at them. They're, they're a good example of a software as a service provider running in the cloud, but then helping governments and enterprises account for their carbon emissions. As we're looking to the future, of course, we're talking about wanting to make things better, wanting to make improvements. So what would you say are the biggest opportunities and then challenges for sustainability in 2023? I think that there's still a big awareness gap, Michelle. I think there, you know, I take myself as an example. I told you six months ago, I, I had a rough idea what ESG was. I didn't know what scope one, two, and three were. Didn't understand about concrete and, and cement and how that mattered. Um, so I think there's still a lot of education and awareness to do. And I think it's up to all of us to get curious. I think we need to go go then partner up with others who have who are like-minded and collaborate and share ideas because the innovation, the ideas are coming from all over the place. But I think the biggest first opportunity is just awareness and education. Uh, the second is this thing I talked about with cost and usage and binding those together with the pressures in the market today around cost. But also then you can link to it. If you're, if you're smart, you can say, yeah, how are we thinking about usage of our resources to also drive down costs. And then we get a two for one on that. I think there's a bunch of interesting venture capital going into technology and climate tech. There's an article out uh, that we'll make sure is available in the in the resources alongside this podcast. But uh, there's a good article showing the rapid increase in venture capital going into climate tech, Michelle, where there's great opportunities for startups. There's great opportunities for individuals to launch new careers in this space if they care about it. And so I think that's another opportunity in 2023 to take advantage of the pressure that's building, the supply of money coming in, and then the innovation that's already begun and to get on top of that. I think in the challenges space, the companies are going to have to evaluate how much time they have to get after this, how much money, where do they get the skills, 
And so there's going to be buy-build decisions that are tough in this case. Now, the, I would argue that uh, you can't afford to, to try to build it yourself and then miss the target and lose the time. you got to think more carefully now about buying solutions that are available and then uh, making the best of those so you have time to then apply them to your business. So I think there's buy-build decisions around climate technologies for doing this work inside your enterprise and throughout your supply chain and your value chain to get to that scope three. And this scope three is the hardest challenge of them all, I think, uh, Michelle, in terms of us getting our arms around measuring it and then driving improvement, the whole data part of this going out through, as I said, all the way through your supply chain, out through your distribution channel, out all the way out to your customers, measuring that. That's all what, we, what they call scope three in the greenhouse gas emission. That's a big challenge, but we got to get after that. I think companies are uh, who have done it find out that there's huge leverage in that. Companies who are still trying to stay insular and, and inside and just figure out theirs because they feel like they got to get their house in order. I'd encourage them to open up quickly and start collaborating up and down your value chain. I think that's the biggest challenge, but it's also the biggest opportunity to catch up. We're behind on a lot of these metrics. There's great leverage in our networks around our companies. And I think that's an opportunity and a challenge all at once. Why does sustainability really matter? Well, everybody's got to find their own why. I had to go back and kind of look at this myself and, and figure out why does it matter? I had to answer this question for myself. So when I got to it, it was back to those principles. It was uh, leaving it better than I found it. It was cons- producing more value than I consume. And it was thinking about the next generation. I have uh, children in their 20s. And when I sit down and talk with them about this, they're fired up about this. And they are excited that I care. Uh, they want, they're pushing me a little bit to to do more and to be more responsible. And, and they're curious too. So I'd say a lot of it is that simple. It's down to some of the science says that by 2050, uh, that's the breaking point where if we don't have this under control, then then it's downhill from there. It's arguable, all that, all that's debatable, but uh, I'm motivated by it just by talking to the next generation and, and feeling some responsibility around those principles. And then uh, then it gets to the, my takeaways for the audience. I'd say, get curious, uh, go learn, go out, go build your allies, go figure out where you have things in common. And there'll be other people that disagree with you, but don't get caught up in that. Don't get caught up in the politics. Stay focused on your why and, and your your allies and go. And then I'd say, uh, get after this measurement, get after the, the, the data piece, estimate it, and don't get caught up in perfection of your measurements. Good, don't let uh, perfection become the enemy of the good. Get, get after it so that we can make progress and then find your spots to improve and then iterate. We, we know in IT world that agile methodologies of iteration are, are a lot more effective than often than these big waterfalls where we take these long time to get through one version and then another long time to get through the next. Really got to get this pace of innovation picked up in this area through iteration. And I think that's another call to action is to say, find your place to start with your allies, get your first result and then iterate on that and keep improving. We covered a lot of territory, Todd, but any final thoughts as we are wrapping up things here? Well, I think, Michelle, that um, we've all got a responsibility in this area, and it's been so exciting for me, reinvigorating for me, I'll share, that uh, once I dove into it and got down to the principles, I have um, I've found a new area that's uh, a top priority for me in my top five now and, uh, and climbing. So I hope that others will take the time to uh, follow up and look at the resources that we provided here, uh, find their why and, and get after it. So thanks, Michelle. I appreciate the conversation today. And really appreciate having you here today. Todd, Todd Weatherby is an independent consultant and founder of Rafiki Advisors. And 
As Todd said, we're going to have a lot more information in the show notes. And of course, you can always go to the Device 42 website for more information. But if they have any questions or want to connect with you, Todd, how do they do that? Yeah, I use LinkedIn as a big part of my professional networking. My contact information is out there. That's a great way to do it. And then uh, I've also got a website up, RafikiAdvisors.com. So uh, either way is fine, but LinkedIn is a great way. And my email address is available there. Todd, thank you so much for being here today. Great conversation. And we know why it's important, because if, if you didn't get it for the, the first part of the conversation, you summed up everything there at the end. It really is so important. It's interesting. Uh conversation and it's exciting to see where things are going to go and a lot of hope for things to get even better in 2023. So I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to The Hitchhiker's Guide to IT. It is a podcast brought to you by Device 42, talking about sustainability today. And of course, please subscribe to the podcast to learn more about Device 42's fabulous guest and some great topics as well. And be sure to visit the website as well if you'd like more information there. I'm your host, Michelle Dawn Mooney. Once again, thanks again for joining us. We hope to see you soon. 